I didn't um, ever took the time, if you will, to see who wrote that song, a servant song. I don't know if any of you know who it is. I'm looking at Dan. He says no, and everything. he knows. I'm going to guess that the author had First John in mind when he wrote that song, because everything seems to really point to John's writing style and the words that are so fit for this entire letter. Has a lot to do with last week's lesson about our goals for 2012. Has everything to do with our walk with the Lord. And that's our heart. Do we have a heart of a servant? See, when it comes to lessons like this, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about being a servant is, yeah, but I have free will. I'm independent. I like to, to do what I want to do, and it should be from, from my free will that I do things. And, you know, there's a sense in which while we are people of free will, we think independently. The fact is, we are not independent. That's a fact. I mean, we have to ask ourselves if we are independent from the standpoint, to what end? You know, we may be able to make choices, do things that we want to do, but to what end are we independent when we make our choices? For what purpose? Do we extol independence? Because I hear it all the time in our society. I even hear it in the name of Christianity, this concept of independence. I make my own decisions. I have my own um, doctrine that I believe in and so on and so forth with regard to the Lord. And, and then you'll have all kinds of books or sermons about how we can be the quote-unquote best that we can be. And it's really seemingly about us. And we just sang the song, Make Me a Servant. Make me more like you, Lord. That's a very different mantra, if you will. And so when we ask ourselves these questions about independence and free will and what have you, to what end? How are we this way? And so I want to suggest to you that as the Scriptures reveal, the bottom line is no matter what choices we make, we are still slaves. It's a fact. Scripture says so. We're either going to be slaves to sin, Romans chapter 6 tells us, or we're going to be slaves to righteousness. Now, Romans chapter 6, Paul says to the saints there at Rome, he says, but thanks be to God that you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Think about that. You made a choice. You made a choice to be a slave no longer to sin, but to be a slave to righteousness. No longer do you, or are you under Satan's control, you now, as a Christian, are under Christ's control. That's what we're told. That's what Paul said, that's why he says, thanks be to God, that from your heart, you voluntarily, you chose to commit yourself to a different master. And I believe that's a very important thing. We're told in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, the first part, that we cannot have Two masters. And while he was talking about money and God as the two opposing masters, the principle is found in the first part of the verse, in that we cannot have multiple masters. We either will love the one and hate the other, or else we'll choose the one and despise the other. That's what he says. And so as Jesus tells us, we can only have one master, the question I'm asking you is, where's your allegiance? Where's your heart? And oftentimes you can see, not just by the words we speak, but the way we relate 
to our master and how we relate then to each other in light of this master that we serve. And so the question is, is your service to the Lord, is it from the heart? As Christians, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And so is it with all our heart? Is that the way we are serving him? And I want you to think about these things this morning because this is going to play out for the rest of this year. This is the springboard by which we're going to look at our fruit and see, are we the kinds of individuals who claim to be Christians? And if we claim to be Christians, are we followers of Christ? And if we're followers of Christ, are we going to serve like him? Burden, if, if our elders have the goal for us to grow, which is the Lord's will, for his kingdom to be expanded upon, for us to grow spiritually, we have to become less of ourselves and more of servants. And it goes right in the face of everything that is in our society. But it's what's pleasing to God. So I want us to look at that question this morning. And, and I want us to first understand, as, as we already know this aspect, but I want us to have it fresh in our minds so that we get to see what we're supposed to be like. And what we see in the life of our Savior is more than just one who's come down to this world to save us from sin. I mean, when you stop to think of all the reasons that John reveals, or Luke reveals, or Matthew reveals, or Mark reveals in their gospel accounts, Jesus states various reasons why he came to this world. And it's not limited to just him being our Savior. It's not just limited to him being our Lord. When he came, he came to serve. That's why, remember, um, at toward the end of Jesus' ministry, Mark chapter 10, a mother of two disciples said, Lord, please make my son serve on your right and your left hand. And after this whole situation where Jesus has this dialogue, where there's going to be James and John or the mother, all the other disciples become indignant, become very upset with them as to who would be greatest in the kingdom. And he says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to become least. If you want to be first, you have to become last. And it is for this reason that I also, the Son of Man, have also come into this world, not to be served, but to serve. That's what we have. Our King came into this world to be a servant. You stop and think about all that was written when the Hebrew writer writes to the, the, the brethren in the book of Hebrews and says, here's what the Son of Man has done when he was made a little lower than the angels. He came to serve. He came to do his Father's will. And that's what we see in Jesus Christ. A servant. How is it that we live in a society that just looks at this as weakness? Looks at this as... Something that is negative, something that we don't want. And yet, the Lord extols this. He says, this is exactly what I want. I want all of those who come into my kingdom to behave as servants. It's a beautiful thing. And so, he sought not his own, but the fathers will remember in the garden, Luke 22 and verse 42, where he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the will of our our Savior. He wants to do the Father's will even under the most difficult circumstances. And what about us? If 
easier to serve when these are things I don't mind doing. But how about when it gets tough? How about when it makes me not look so good in front of others? I don't look important. What does that look like? And here's God, Emmanuel, living among us and telling us to be servant, and then gives us the perfect example of servanthood. That's what Jesus Christ did when he came into this world. It was an attitude that he has, and this is the very thing, the very attitude that the Apostle Paul says when writing to the church at Philippi. When he says, do not look out for your interests only, verse 3, but look out for the interests of others as well. In fact, look at them as above yourself. That's the attitude of a servant. That's why he goes on to say in verse 5 following, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but considered himself of no reputation, coming in the likeness of man, taking the form of a servant. And what did he do? But he humbled himself in obedience, even to death on the cross. That's our Savior, and that's the attitude that Jesus gave to us. Showed us in word. That's why we can read the scriptures. Let it richly dwell within us. And as we're conformed into the image of our Savior, we become more like him. We become more like a servant. You stop and think about that, brethren, because that's what we're looking at this year. Are we servants in every aspect of our life? I mean, who wants to be told what to do? I can tell you that as a kid growing up, I didn't like it when mom told me or grandma told me, do this. I'm not going to do it. Stubborn, bullheaded, wanted to do what I wanted to do. I am my own person. I can make my own choices. Little did I realize that I was hurting my own character and hurting my own self and that I was despising God himself by not wanting to listen. Whatever the roles is in every part of our lives, Christians need to understand that our whole aspect of glorifying God comes through this whole concept of service. Every aspect. I've been talking to a number of you in the last few days, and you've all been sharing with me how encouraged the, the class that you have in Ecclesiastes um, that is being led there. And one of the things that you are learning in Ecclesiastes is that you're giving yourself to God. In every aspect of your life. That's exactly what God wants. I mean, He's creator. He made us for what purpose? But to glory in Him. Give Him all the honor. Give Him all the glory. And how do we do that? With every breath that we take. And all the choices that we make. From all the thoughts that we have. That's what we do. We give Him the glory. And so, what does that look like then? Well... If we're going to be made like Christ, then we're going to understand that Jesus is not just a Savior again, as John 13, verses 12 through 17 tells us. I mean, I want us to look at this text here. This, may, this is very explicit in what he says to them. John 13, beginning in verse 12. So when Jesus had washed their feet, taken his garments, sat down again, he said to them, Do you not know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, of course, so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Here's a master before he's going to be risen to the right hand of God, saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow my example. He is ready to send them out into all the world. And the one who sends the others out is greater than the one being sent. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to serve. What's really interesting is, you know, when we think about foot washing, we don't have a Eastern mindset. So foot washing may seem kind of gross to us. I don't know about you. But to give this concept, there's a woman that took some teenage girls and told them very explicitly, somewhat deceptively, today we're going to serve one another. I'm going to serve you by washing your feet. And they thought, oh, how awful. She washed their feet and then she began painting their toenails. And then they were pretty excited about that. (laughs) They liked that concept. Brethren, it's not just the foot washing that's the point that Jesus was making. The point is serving in every aspect. In every thought that you can have. Be held captive to the fact that you belong to the Lord and you serve Him. And you serve Him and it's manifested in such a way that you can see it in your relationships, not just with God, but with one another. Again, go back to the song, Make Me a Servant. When you go back to those words and read them, you will see what it's like to keep the commandment of God. And that His commandment is not burdensome. You're going to see those who put themselves under the desires of others, if you will. The benefit of others. And that's what we're going to see in in various aspects of our lives. And so that's what we see here. This is the very thing that Jesus was telling his disciples if they're going to be like Christ. Make me a servant just like you, Lord. And so what does that look like? I want you to see in every realm, and I'm only going to use a few examples. We're told in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So if you're going to be pleasing to God... Here's how you serve. Your role as child is to be subservient to those who are over you. What a great platform to learning how to serve the Lord himself. But he says when you do it to your parents, in the context when you read verse 5 following, you're doing it as unto the Lord. In chapter 5, you can read verse 22, where wives are to listen to, be subservient to the heads of their household, their husbands. But how? As unto the Lord. Because that's who you're serving. In both of these cases, parents are not better than their children. Husbands are not better than their wives. We already know these truths. These are roles that we have. And they play, in my understanding, a shadow to the true role that we have ultimately in Christ. When I listen to mom and dad... I'm giving glory and honor to my God. 
I'm serving His will. And of course, I make my mom and dad happy that I listen to them. When I listen to the decision that my spouse has made as head of the household, then I give glory to God as a wife. That's the will of God. And my husband is happy with me that I made that choice. And I could be smarter than my husband. In fact, in many cases, a lot of wives are. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's true. <laughs> not every time. Not every situation. But it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of serving the Lord. It's a matter of being a servant to glory or give God the glory, I should say. And that's what you have in these two situations. And the same thing is in our modern, situa- modern situation. And instead of all that we have that's going on, which is so backward and upside down in our society, here's what God's Word tells us. Slaves, you're subservient to your master. That's your role. Today we have it so backwards. We think that if we work for someone, we should tell that someone who we work for how things should be. And they should listen to us because we're equal. Well, we may be equal as persons, but in the roles that we have, we're subservient. If the elders want me to preach on giving, guess what I'm going to preach on? I'm under their oversight. This whole concept of service is not that we serve no matter what, under any circumstance, so that I might even go ahead and sin. That's, that's not even in the equation. We're talking about within the, the framework of truth, naturally. But within that framework of truth, this is what we're told. You serve. And I can guarantee you, the better servants we are, the more well-pleased we are by our parents, whether it's husbands or whether it's employers. Because God blesses. That's the will of God. He exalts the humble. Right? That's what he tells us. And he humbles those who exalt themselves. Those who think too much of themselves. Those who behave in such a manner as to put themselves above others rather than under them and serve them. And so... Whatever the scenario is, whether we're children or adults, whatever the situation is, we need to learn how to be good servants. What does this look like then in our lives? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the work of the Lord is great. As I mentioned last week, it's not limited to this building. It's not limited to the pulpit. It's not limited to this communion table. It's not limited to song leading. It's not even limited to just being Bible class teachers. It's every day. And what's going on? Just in this one congregation, let alone all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. What's going on in this work? Well, before the service begins, we have our brothers and sisters who are shut in. How can we serve them? Do we just note them in the prayers? Here at the building. I think this is where some of our women in the congregation serve as great examples. For the rest of us to take some time in, in whatever busy schedule that you have, brethren. It's not limited to my responsibility or Jerry's responsibility or elder's responsibility. It's all of our labor. 
Let's go see our brethren. Go say hi to them. Encourage them. Spend some time with them. How about those who are struggling? Well, I don't know who they are. Well, then get to know your brethren. So you can serve them. Brethren, this is so important. This is the will of God. When you read 1 John, read, how do you know that you're keeping the commandments of God? When you love your brother. Who's your brother? All those who are born of God. Who are those who are born of God? Those who believe in God. Those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Those who have come into, into His kingdom according to His will. Yeah, you need to love your neighbor as well. We're told in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, to do good toward all men. But what does he finish that statement off with? Especially the household of faith. We have a responsibility to serve one another because we have needs. We need to grow in the Lord. And I need to serve then so that we can all grow in the Lord, that we can hold each other's hand. When you read the article that our brother and one of our elders have written, Ron had written for us, the lessons that we can learn from Job, one of them is to seek wise counsel. Well, how do you serve? By taking the counsel that God has blessed you with, that has allowed you to grow and serve your brethren that aren't following as closely to the will of God as, as could be, so that you can encourage them in the faith. How about the physical needs? Again, what a great opportunity last week um, y'all showed by starting off the year on a good note in that there's going to be great needs this year. If we're going to increase our budget to do the work of the Lord, well, y'all responded great last week. And I don't know if it's for tax purposes by December 31st. I don't know if it was that or, you know what, I do it because I want to be a servant of the Lord. I want to give more of myself that you have given to me than I have been in the past. Isn't that what was prayed for this morning? Make us better now than we were? That's what Phil prayed for. Make us better in the future than we have been in the past. Well, if we want to be better in the future, we're going to have to become less. We have to be servants. Or better servants. And so whatever those situations, whatever the times are, this is how we serve the Lord. And so we're told in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, not by way of eye service, Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's not to be seen by men. That's not the reason why you serve in all this capacity. I remember, oh, boy, sometimes, you know, my brain thinks a whole lot faster than the way words come out of my mouth. And I'm going to tell you the whole rest of what I was thinking. I have a sister. I'm not going to name which one because I have a number of them. I remember when my sister, and I guess I could use her as an example rather than me, right? I remember when she would do some, some chore at home and let every child in the house know, including mom, I did this chore. <laughs> That's not what God wants. Not by way of eye service, as men pleasers, but as slaves. As slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether you're a slave or free. This is why we serve, brethren. We do it to please God, not men. 
We do it to serve God. Men are just the byproducts of our service. You just happen to be the individuals here on earth that I serve as I serve my God. My goal in life is to make my Father in Heaven happy with me as His child. That's my goal. When I can glorify Him, I know, because His Word promises me, He will exalt me. He will lift me up. That's what we do there. That's our role. The question is, is this what you want? Because this is the will of God. I had a person I was speaking to um, just a few days ago, my termite guy, <laughs> and he goes to the First Baptist Church up in Hendersonville, and, and we were talking, and he was talking about the Church of Christ versus the First Baptist up in Hendersonville and the back and forth between them in that community. And, and he says, you need to follow the Ten Commandments. I said, let me, not that we're trying to go back and forth now again. <laughs> I said, what are those Ten Commandments based upon? based upon what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 36, 37, 38, 39. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang the law and prophets. When you look at the first four commandments, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. When you look at the last six commandments, it's relationships with others. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's service. That's what we have. We're told in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that our living sacrifice is reasonable service unto God. That's how it's summed up right here. So what's your heart like? Is it summed up by saying, I love you, God, but I'm going to hate my neighbor? You don't have a relationship with God at that point. But you say, I love God. And you manifest that love not only by worshiping and glorying in God this way, but by serving Him, by looking at how we can serve one another here in this world. You manifest the love of God. You follow in the footsteps of Christ. You're foot washers, if you will. And that's what God wants from us. First John chapter 5, that was read for us by Dan this morning, is just an illustration of what it looks like. When you see love in action, you're seeing servanthood. And that's what chapter 3, verse 23 is summed up in, those first five verses in chapter 5. And so when we finish this morning, I want you to note, are you keeping the commandments of God when you look at what the commandments teach us? Are you showing the commandment of one who serves? But it is the will of God. It is the doctrine, if you will, of Christ. When you do, this is how it's manifested right there. Loving one another. Isn't that the greatest commands that we were singing? The different stanzas. Love one another. Whether it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or 1 John. All those sentiments are there. And summed up right here. It shows in the way we live day to day. Christianity is just not limited to Wednesdays and Sundays. It's every day of the week. How are you living? I hope we're all living this way.